0: Now a handout that goes pages 12 through 17. I do know some of you made it in here before the guys were with the handouts at the door. So John, you got a couple over here. Well, it looks like we're covering everybody pretty much very well. We'll get into those notes in just a bit. Announcements, this Wednesday, 6 o'clock, our midweek program resumes. It has been off since uh, mid, just before mid-December, so a very long time. All of the midweek programs will start back up, the Adult Community Institute, three classes. Two of those three are new this uh, semester. That one, Master Plan for Life, is the one I'm doing. That's a continuation, so if you've been in that one, you'll just continue you don't need to register. Parenting with Purpose, we do need you to register for that if you're taking that. And then the other class is Between the Testaments. Dr. Combs is going to be teaching that for us uh, live, but by Zoom. And we've got a nice setup in classroom number three for that. You'll be able to interact with him just like he's there. Uh, And we have notebooks for that, and it's a fascinating class. But you need to register for that as well if you plan on taking it. Pioneer Club, our our high-impact teen ministry, all of that, 6 o'clock on Wednesday make it easier for some of you to get here by six o'clock we've starting in September we started something new and that is offering dinner beginning at five o'clock for any that would help uh, that would be a help for but we need you to register for that each week so that we know how much food to get you can do that at our website in uh, two weeks two weeks from yesterday we are in here going to have a Super Bowl party. I said Super Bowl. Pastor Pastor Larry said that the NFL will give me a cease and desist order. So we're calling it <laughs> Super Football. But if I'm going to be persecuted, I'm going to be persecuted for that. Then, okay, Super Bowl. You guys will bail me out if they throw me in jail. I assume. Uh, Say, <laughs> all right. I'm going back to Super Football. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not at all encouraged by the reaction there. <laughs> But we're going to have that uh, on Super Bowl Sunday and 6 o'clock here and uh, with or without the Lions in it, but if the Lions win this evening, then they'll be, they'll be participating in it. On Saturday the 17th, three weeks from yesterday, is our next newcomer's brunch at our house and if you've never been to one of our brunches, we would love to be able to ha- meet you in that setting. There's nothing formal about it. We don't have a program. I don't teach anything. Just a couple of hours of my wife's a great cooking along with some of the other ladies in the church that contribute to that. So it's a, it's a great time and good food and we just enjoy getting to know folks in that more informal setting. So we would love to have you. We need to know how much food to have prepared. So please register for that on our website. In March, the first four Sundays in March, starting with March the 3rd during this hour, second hour, is our next newcomer's orientation. That's a class for those four weeks during the second hour where we do go through a notebook of material that tells you about our church. It gives you information about where we came from, uh, what we believe, why we do things the way we do. It's a small setting so you can ask questions, but it's all designed for you to know more about the church to then determine if this is the place that God would have you to stay and join and grow and serve. And you take that and it might the answer might be, that helped me know that this is not the place for me and that's that's an accomplishment in itself we want you to know whether it's here or someplace else but we want you to be aligned with a gospel preaching bible believing church whether here or elsewhere so if you've never taken the newcomers orientation this is the opportunity for you to get to know more about our church i'm mentioning daylight saving uh, time starting up again just to give you hope there's light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) So March the 10th, that's only a few weeks away. You know, we're at the end of January here. March the 10th is when uh, daylight saving will start up again. We lose an hour of sleep, but we gain the extra daylight going forward all the way through November. So I always look forward to that. So just reminding you of that. The last Sunday of March is Easter. Easter is early this year. It's in March. It's March the uh, 31st. On that day, we won't have this hour we will, uh, of teaching We'll have one worship service at 1030 for Easter. The following week, April the 4th, then, we will start a new series in here. And it will be an outreach series. Mailers will go to uh, the community like we've done over the years. And this one, um, I'm almost certain what I'm going to do is something that has a historical bent to it, teaching some history, uh, because a number of you have said to me, the little bit of history that I've talked about the last couple of weeks here. Uh, has been helpful I thought nobody would care about that but at least a few people do and if you don't and now I'm going to do more history because a few people told me that blame, blame them okay and uh, I, I will probably do on starting on April the 7th in this hour uh, our what's the difference series it's been many years since we've done that but that actually goes through the history of the church how, how we got the various denominations that we have and explores the differences between the, uh, the denominations. And we've done that as an outreach series in the past because many people have asked me over the years, when I had a real job, I worked my computer job for 20 years, people knew I was studying for ministry and they would ask me what's the difference between a Presbyterian and a Methodist and a Baptist and a Catholic and all of that. It can become very confusing for people. So it is a question many people ask, therefore is something that uh, is a good fodder for outreach but also is informative for our own folks as well. So that's what's coming up. We have been, for the last three weeks, this is now the fourth week of the full-service church uh, series. We have uh, five more counting today, so this is an eight-week series. And I'm doing this because I want our congregation to be as clear as possible about why our church does what it does, in order to do what Jesus gave his church to accomplish before he ascended back to the Father. And most of us know what that is. It is what we call the Great Commission. But the Great Commission has only one command in it. Jesus said that you are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to... Obey everything that I've commanded you. Now, you've got baptizing, you've got teaching. Those are actions, but the only command in that verse is make disciples. And the way you make disciples includes baptizing and teaching, is the idea. So our marching orders are pretty succinct. Make disciples. See people come to Jesus and then grow them as followers disciples of, of Jesus. That's the Great Commission. And then our church has adopted since its inception 22 years ago as our theme verse, Colossians 1.28, that says we proclaim him, we proclaim Christ, teaching and admonishing everyone so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So Jesus says make disciples, so we got to be about that. And Colossians 1.28 says that we want to teach and admonish so that we present everyone fully mature. That admonishing is intended primarily for people who haven't come to Christ. So we give the gospel and we, and we warn lovingly about the consequences of not coming to Christ. And inviting them to do so. And then the teaching piece is for those who do come to, to Christ. So you admonish unbelievers, you teach believers. But all with the goal of presenting everyone fully mature in Christ. Well, if those are the marching orders for the church, make disciples, and if that objective includes presenting everyone that we can as fully as mature as we can, then we as God's church ought to take that seriously. And that's what I mean by full service. The word service in your New Testament is the same word for ministry. So you could call this series Full Ministry Church. We want to have, here's what we're saying here. We want to have ministries that help people at every stage of life so that they can become fully mature that's the idea and we still have some things that we want to add and improve in what we've been doing we thank god for what we've been able to do but we have had as a long-term objective creating what we call a road to maturity you'll see that in the next uh, couple of couple of pages in order for us to become this full-service, full-ministry kind of church, so that we are discipling people, maturing people intentionally. If Jesus says to make disciples, then we should take that seriously enough that we intentionally go about it. That the everything that we do as his church, we do for a reason. We don't do stuff just because we don't do stuff just because we've always done it we do stuff because it helps us make disciples it helps us present everyone fully mature in christ that means analyzing what you do is it in line with what god says in his word first first and foremost and then is it done in a way that is effective intentionally effective to move people along and because people all of us naturally in life, sequentially progress through life, then an intentional discipleship process ought to include instruction and help for people in the natural phases that all of us go through. And the challenges that go with with each of those. So top of page 12, you see it says recap. And the title is Proactive Discipleship. The idea here and for the next few weeks is to give a flavor for how our church wants to proactively help people in the various stages that we all, if God allows us life to 85, 90, 95 years old, we will all go through these phases. And that we proactively ahead of time prepare people for each of those is the idea. And these first few pages... Are part of the first two pages that you received in the first handout we gave so this is a recap of that but top of page 12 the Bible contains directives for Christians to obey and every command to obey is a requirement for the church to provide so I'm telling you that that's my can personal conviction that the Bible has these directives for us as Christians if that's the case and the church is god's vehicle god's agency in order to carry this out then those commands that we are to obey are in turn commands for churches to provide ways to do it learn how to do it see it modeled that is what god tells christians to do his church must help them accomplish well god has told christians to do a lot a lot of things If you look at the middle of that page, uh, down toward the bottom, you see our spiritual growth process. If you've been around here any length of time, you've seen this chart. You see it in our newcomer's orientation class that I mentioned. It's in the notebook. But this depicts our ministries and our core ministries and what the objectives are in each of those. And you notice that we have three major objectives. On the left side, learn. And then on the right, love and live. Learn, love, live. Our mission statement is we exist to help people learn about God, love Him and others, live for His purpose, and we have these ministries to do that. Now here's what's important about that, and why I said it a few weeks ago, and I'm reiterating it again. Bottom of page 12. Failure to identify what elements, and therefore ministries, are common to all disciples results in a smorgasbord of offerings that are deemed of equal importance where one just chooses those they like and or can engage. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, but the idea here is that chart represents things that are necessary for every disciple of Jesus, whether you're married or single, whether you're male or female, whether you're a parent or not a parent. Your demographic doesn't matter. If you're a follower of Jesus, learn, love, and live is required for you. And so this chart is then what we try to do for everybody. And we urge everybody to be a part of that. But then there are not just those common roles, but if you look just above that chart, in italics, that subheading, I say there are common roles, but there are also individual callings or vocations. So some are married, others are not. Some do have kids, some don't. We're in different stages of life. So bottom of page 12 again, middle of that paragraph, obviously things like men's and women's ministries are not intended for the opposite sex, and family life offerings such as marriage and parenting are for those in those particular demographics. Top of page 13. Therefore, such ministries, as important and beneficial as they are, they are by their nature targeted to subgroups within the local body and are offered and used to the extent that they're helpful. So here's what we're saying there. I'm really glad that God has allowed us to have really great women's ministry, men's ministry, and other stuff. And many of you have benefited. You ladies from our women's ministry, men from our men's ministry, thank God for that. But we don't push those on people the same way we do the chart on page 12. Because that's for every disciple and not everybody is a man or a woman one and further some people may have picked up some of the how to be a man how to be a woman stuff other places in their upbringing in a good christian home that kind of thing so we offer them they're very important many of you have found them to be very valuable but they're not on the same level as our church's discipleship ministry to everyone which includes learn love and and live They are for people in particular vocations, and you use them to the extent that they're helpful. Middle of page 13. You have, as I said a few weeks ago, proactive and reactive discipleship. Reactive discipleship is basically counseling. You're reacting to something that happens in somebody's life. They're having a problem. They come for counsel. And our church, we've given counsel for 22 years, both formally and informally, but we are in the process of beginning a counseling center to formally help people with that. But that's all reactive. That's when something is not going the way it's supposed to go. You're struggling with something. The reaction, the proper reaction, is to get help for it. And we want to give that help. But in addition to the reactive discipleship of counseling ministry formal or informal there is or I think should be proactive discipleship and this is the piece that most of our our churches do not have the one thing that we have in our churches that is proactive is for marriage premarital preparation to get married which is a great thing my suggestion is and has been for a long time that we develop a road to maturity whereby we identify phases beyond marriage that people go through. And that you do preparation for each of those before people get there. Don't wait until they mess it up and then have reactive counseling. There's still going to be a need for reactive counseling this side of heaven no matter what. Because we'll continue. We could have the best preemptive, proactive in the world and we'll still, each of us, manage to mess things up. So we'll still need reactive counseling. Or even if we didn't mess it up, somebody else messed it up for us. Somebody else sinned against us. Something happened to us that we're having trouble processing and dealing with. There'll always be that need for reactive discipleship. But we want to try to address as much as we can ahead of time is the idea with the proactive discipleship. It's basically premarital counseling but applied to things other than marriage. So if you look at page 14, We showed you a few weeks ago in the prior handout this graphic and it just has road signs there that just show a couple of phases that people go through, college and career phase, that young adult phase. But preparing a young person before they get there would be very helpful instead of after. Preparing their parents before that young person gets there would be very helpful. And then you notice it says three-quarters of a mile down the road, marriage and parenthood. We maybe should have put, you know, some mileage to that. (laughs) You know, you become a young adult and three-quarters down the road, you're getting married and, and having kids. But the idea is that's a further step, though, that many people will go through. Not everybody will get married, not everybody will have children, but many will. And as they do, we want to prepare them ahead of time, ahead of that first child, before they have it. And then you see on the right there, a crisis occurs. Either because it's self-inflicted, we've sinned and caused a problem for ourselves, or just living in a fallen world, we've had some things befall us. Uh, We've gotten a cancer diagnosis, or we lost our job, or we're having a financial crisis, or something like that, and we need counsel for that. Uh, Whatever the origin of it, it has the potential to derail us on the road to maturity. So what we want to do is still have that reactive counsel so that somebody can pull off to the side of the road, as it were. Get off on the exit. You see there it says not rest area but restoration area. So the the image is you're going on the road to maturity. You've got this curveball that threatens to halt your progress, and so you pull off to the side. You get help, but then just like at a rest area, you pull back on. You get restored and then you continue to make progress. All right. So proactive discipleship in the phases of life. In the normal course, individuals progress or regress through at least the following phases. If you think of, if you can think of a tenth, um, how many do we have here? One, two, three, four. We have ten there, right? Did I count it right? Okay. If you think of an eleventh or twelfth, let me know but at least these. That there's the infant-toddler stage. They have different things for parents that go with them, having that first infant. But then when that infant becomes a toddler, there are other challenges that go with it. So preparing for that. The kindergarten phase, junior high, high school, adulthood, and, and so on. Now up to marriage, I say below that, the phases will involve the individual and his or her parent or parents. And therefore, preparation involves both. Now, for the infant, we're not preparing the infant. So that's what we're preparing the, the parents for that first infant. But we do, by the, you know when a child is a toddler, they can be taught some things as well. In order to prepare them a lot but some things and certainly the parents is the focus in that stage but then for kindergarten you involve both the parents and and the child junior high high school all the way up to as we say marriage it involves for the most part both and there are many issues to address in each of those phases as now over the next few weeks we're going to detail so i have been keeping a list for years of these phases and the stuff that people face at these phases. I've sought input from other people. Hey, what are the things folks go through in these phases? So I'll be sharing some of that with you over the next few weeks. And there are many of them, many issues to address at each phase as we will detail going forward. Some of which may be unusual or even unique and so there are some things that you can't anticipate. And we just have to admit that up front. But most are common. And if in addition to addressing those that occur in the normal course, we also provide support from those who have passed a particular stage, as well as those who are currently in it, then we can apply the collective wisdom of the body of Christ even to the stuff that's a real curveball that we didn't anticipate at all to help you with. So at each stage, here's what we want to do. Top of page 15. We want to provide three things we want to provide instruction that's targeted to both the opportunities and challenges ahead so what we're saying there is you've got a phase you're trying to prepare somebody for that coming phase and for that phase we want to provide teaching we want to provide instruction that prepares them for these two categories. Opportunities, but also challenges. We want them to see how the Lord intends to use this phase in your life and if you're a parent in the life of your child in that particular phase. What are the opportunities, but also what are the challenges that are going to occur at that phase? And do all of that ahead of time. Provide instruction provide, secondly, support for those that are both in and past from both those that are in and past that particular phase. So the idea then is that you would have groups that come together to be instructed on that particular phase, but you have people there who are preparing for that particular phase, but also some people who have already gone through it so that they can share their wisdom in it. Older people teaching younger people, that's a Bible thing. You guys have heard me say experience is the best teacher. Especially, what do I say? Especially when it's somebody else's experience. Why do I, why does the next generation have to repeat the mistakes of the previous one? They don't. We don't have to watch it happen. Now, we can't control it, of course. But we know the mistakes. We know the challenges. We know the opportunities. Let's share those. That's the collective wisdom of the body of Christ. And so support would include that. And then the third element, resources for ongoing development. As they get into that phase now, resources, books, blogs, podcasts, that will help them further as they're in that particular phase. That third element, resources for ongoing development, that is the reason that our church has had a resource center for all these years. That's the reason. Uh, I know it It get, it looks like it's a bookstore. It actually was never intended to be a bookstore. kind of looks like a store and it's got books so you could think it's a bookstore you can buy books in there but our objective has never been to just have books in there that Christians can just you know sort of browse like you would back in the day when there were such a thing as bookstores (laughs) there aren't hardly any bookstores left Amazon has killed pretty much all of that so it's not really a bookstore it's a we call it the resource center and the reason we call it the resource center is because we want to be able to tell you you can go in there and you can get resources for this particular phase, this stuff that's going on in your life. One of the things that will be built in that resource center will be a display that is called the road to maturity, the very thing we're developing here. And within that, you'll have all of the phases and then the various resources that are available for helping you in that that phase. So that's what we mean by number three, and that's why we've had a resource center. My philosophy is you sort of start something years before you're ever going to use it. So people are sort of used to it. So you don't just spring that out. So you know, we've had this idea for a very long time, but we knew one of the elements we were going to need to have was a resource center. So start the resource center even before you've developed all of, all of this. So top of page 15 again. For example, the earliest stages of life, infant, toddler, present both distinct and overlapping issues. So there are things that parents of an infant toddler, in both of those phases, there's overlap for some of that. But they're also distinct issues. One matter, though, that begins in infancy and then broadens in the first years is the very important issue of authority and submission. The instruction for which, then, in our process would include the following. So what I'm giving you here, then, is a sample of the kind of teaching, top of page 15, number one, instruction targeted to opportunities and challenges. This is an example of instruction about a particular issue that you're going to face with your infant slash toddler. And it's it's going to be this authority submission idea. This is one of many, and this is an example. So authority slash submission in the earliest phases. The first thing you want to do at every stage, at every phase, is to know what is it I'm trying to accomplish here. What's the objective? And in order to get the objective for this particular phase, you (laughs) you actually have to go to the phase after that. Why? Because... Part of the objective in this phase is to prepare them for the next one. Well, then i got to know what that next one is. But that means preparing them for the next one after that. When you get to the end, like as a parent, the, the thing you've got to know is what's my end game here? When this child becomes a young adult, what's the end game? That's the way I've taught parenting for years. Starting with the end in mind. Now, start with the end in mind. I stole that from Stephen Covey. Some of you are old enough to remember the seven habits of highly effective people. And that was the very first one. Start with the end in mind. So what's the end for our children? Uh, The end spiritually is for them to become mature disciples of Jesus. That's the end spiritually. And as a parent, naturally and providentially... There are some things that I need to give that child in order for them to be able to function as a disciple of Jesus in the world in which he's placed them. And all of that is summed up for me in the second chapter of the Bible and its last verse, verse 24. For this reason, a man and woman will leave their father and mother and they will cleave, to use King James language, their spouse. Just succinctly, here's what I tell parents you're trying to do. You're trying to make your child marriageable for Christ's sake. Now, I say marriageable, it doesn't mean they'll get married. I don't know whether they'll get married. Most will, some won't. But whether they will or won't, they still need to be marriageable. And there's a whole bunch that goes with that. There's a whole bunch of social stuff that goes with that. There's a whole bunch of things they need to learn about themselves. How to interact with other people. If you're going to get them to the point that they can leave and cleave, To make them marriageable. They need to know how to communicate. They need to know how to look somebody in the eye and talk. They need to know that there is stuff happening around them that doesn't happen on a screen. Oh man. They need to learn that non-screen thing very early on. If not, they're going to be that... I mean, teenagers are awkward anyway, right? They're going to be more awkward because they don't know how to interact. Why? Because they don't interact. They're on the screen all the time. So backing off of that then, some of the things that we're going to want to show is the challenges ahead at different phases, are things like that. Things like, hey, parent, don't let your child get immersed in stuff that is going to keep them from the relational bent that God gave to his image bearers. So that they're not actually interacting with human beings. They're they're interacting with a screen. And if we do that, we're harming our children. But we need to learn that really early on. So they prepare for the next phase, the next phase. All right. But one of the issues that they've got to get early, if they're going to be marriageable, relatable, is they need to know where they fit in submission to authority. And that starts in the home with the parents. So here's an example of the kind of teaching. The objective in the first few years. Is to model and teach this. Our good God has given you good authorities to accomplish his good purpose in your life. Do you guys see how many times good is used there? God is good, child. You're a creature a good God. And he's given you good gifts. And one of those chief good gifts that he's given you is us. Your parents. He's a good God. So we're going to immerse that kid in the goodness of God. And we're going to make sure that they know that these two people in your life are not here to make your life miserable, far from it. We're not the killjoys in your life. This good God gave you good authorities, So we have learned from this good God ourselves. And we're passing on to you what we've learned from Him. He's good. And we want to be used as His instrument of goodness now in your life good God has given good authorities for his good purpose in your life. You think about a two-year-old, a three-year-old toddler who's gotten immersed in that. Now an infant needs to see and hear the love of God from his parents and caregivers. The wise Christian parent partners with the local church so that what's taught at home and church are mutually reinforcing. So we have the blessing in a church of having announcements about another family having a child, bringing a child into their family and then into this family of families. And what a joyful thing it is, right? And then that young couple brings their child into the church and they bring that child into the nursery and there are people in there who have prepared themselves to do what we're talking about here to partner with you in what you're doing at home you're loving them this way as these good authorities in their life and they're doing the same thing and as they do that they are giving this child very early on from his or her first days and weeks the idea that church is a great place to be with great people who love me dearly. I mean, you may think, you're just dropping your kid off so they're not screaming their head off so that we can have the worship service. That's one practical benefit for sure. There's something much, much deeper than that. What are those nursery volunteers doing that sacrifice their time and sing songs to those children about Jesus? And tell them stories about Jesus? What are they doing? They're partnering with you to create that impression upon that child, good God, good authorities, good purpose. So we see it that way, a partnership, mutually reinforcing. I say here, at home, the child experiences a safe, secure, peaceful environment filled with regular words of affirmation and gospel love. Now, as you read that, if that doesn't describe your home, secure, peaceful that child is hearing, yelling, screaming, arguing. Kids are, children are a gift from the Lord. They are an amazing gift. And they pick things up very early on. And they will either be secure in that environment and peaceful in that environment, or they won't. Very early on, even if they can't articulate it, they don't feel at peace if they've got that yelling and disruption going on in the home a safe secure peaceful environment we're trying to mimic that in the nursery and toddler area filled with these regular words of affirmation and gospel love he or she is treated as the treasure that he is and they're told why so parent as we teach parenting to parents that youngest stage those first days and weeks And into those first months and years, you are teaching that child that they're special. Do you see the bullet points? All five of them say you're special. (laughs) You guys get the idea that we think children are special? And we want them to know that. But we want them to know why they're special. You're special because you are made by God in His image. So you, at the earliest days, you're made to be a mirror like God. Man, teaching that to a kid, especially when they start to understand something, they go, what, I'm, I'm a mirror? <laughs> to God? You're special because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. All these babies, all these toddlers are made in the image of God, but they're all made with diversity. They're different, fearfully and wonderfully made. They're uniquely made. You're uniquely made by God. You have abilities and talents that He has given you, and He hasn't given them to everybody else. You're special because you are a gift from the Lord. A gift. I mean, those first two could be true. You're in his image. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay, but he plopped you down to us, and now we got to take care of you. No, that's not what it is. We're communicating. We are so thrilled that you are with us because you are a gift from the Lord. Children are a gift from the Lord, Psalm 127. You're special because you were given as a gift by God to a Christian home. And so you, child, are set apart by God just by virtue of being born into this home. And notice I've got 1 Corinthians 7.15 there. In 1 Corinthians 7.15, the Apostle Paul says that children who are born into a family that has at least one Christian parent are, he uses the word, sanctified. Some translations say holy. That child is holy. Now, it doesn't mean they don't have a sin nature. You'll find that out very early on. They do. It doesn't mean they're then Christian because their parents are Christian. The word you guys, many of you know, the word that's translated holy, sanctified, means set apart. You're different. You know why you're different? Because you've got at least one Christian parent. And most families don't. So you're set apart. You're privileged. privileged. And this kid starts to get this idea. I mean, think about that. Think about how they're developing their identity now. And who they are in his image, fearfully and wonderfully made. A gift from God. Privileged. Set apart. You're special because you're given the word of God to guide all of your life. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And that's why, dear child, we sing to you, we talk to you. When we get up and when we lie down, that's what Deuteronomy 6 says, doesn't it? That's why we do that, because God gave you to us as this gift. You're privileged. And he has given us his word to teach us how to teach you. And we're thrilled to do it. So, everything in a child's first years is to reinforce these truths. And if this is done well at home and at church, the foundation is laid for loving corrective discipline as that needful infant becomes a willful toddler. <laughs> Chose my words carefully there, right? I mean, an infant. What's an an infant's all this stuff? But an infant is just in those early months, first year, just needy, the needful infant. But that needful infant, long about one, it's different for each kid. But longer out, they hit one. They become the willful. Now, toddler, they're growing, they're smart, they know what no means. They understand commands and they can either obey them or not obey them. That's what I mean by willful toddler. But they have spent months, they've spent a year being bathed and immersed in your special environment. A good God has given you good authorities for his good purpose. So that now when you must do corrective discipline, and you must, It's coming from that context. The kid doesn't like it, of course. But they know who's doing it. And they know who told them to do it. God. These people love me. These people have my best interest. So it's got to be in that context. Formative discipline creates the environment for corrective discipline. So next week we'll talk some more about what that looks like. What discipline, uh, or what authority and submission looks like in general, in life, but then in the home in particular. So bring these notes back with you next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for letting us uh, set aside these moments to consider your good gift of, of children and giving this good gift to parents to raise them on your behalf for Christ's sake. Lord, this is a challenge for our dear parents. It's a challenge for us as a church that is a family of families. And we want to partner together to do it well and please you in it. I thank you for the brothers and sisters here who take this extremely seriously and are doing a, a good job by your grace. Help us as your church, Lord, to bring to fruition the plans, the good plans that we believe you have given us in order to bring parents to full maturity in Christ so that they can be used to bring their children to full maturity in Christ. And in every phase, we're seeking to help. Go with us this week, Lord, as we ponder your goodness. Your goodness. Yes, in our our homes, but Lord, your goodness is all around us. Every good and perfect gift your word says and we believe comes from your hand. So help me to see that this week. Help me to praise you for that this week. Help us to do that. We ask you to help us be your ambassadors in a way that represents you accurately in the places you've assigned to us. Grant us safety. Bring us back together next Lord's Day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.